having some mic trouble, so I'm going to hold the mic today. If I throw it or pound it on the pulpit, terribly sorry. I promise I won't do that, Merle. Gosh, Christmas is on us. Two weeks. I'm going to let some of you guys let that sink in, especially husbands. Two weeks. The clock is ticking. Don't worry, I still haven't found a gift for my wife either, okay? Two weeks, and we celebrate Christmas. We were just talking about this the other night, that it just seems like the season is rushed in, and it's quickly passing us by. Quickly, December the 26th will be here, and um, all of the season's greetings, all of the season's joys um, will be packed up, put back in the attic, and we'll wait till next year. You know, one of the things that I love about Christmas is the gift giving. And not necessarily for the reason that all of us think. I don't love gift giving just because I get to see their face and and I spent all this time picking a present out and And they just light up, and they love it when they see it. No, no, no. I love gift-giving when March and April and May rolls around. Because then I actually get to see if they use my gift. You hearing me? Then I actually get to see if all of that that they put on when they opened it was actually real or not. All right? I'm going to help some of you guys this morning. Here's, uh, here's eight responses, the top eight responses of this last year, last Christmas, to receiving gifts. And not just any gift, but a gift that you know when March and April rolls around, you're not going to be using. Okay? So I'm going to tell these to you. You can use them. You can practice them so that when the day comes in a couple weeks, kids, okay, you can be ready and say, okay. I've got my perfect response. Let's start with number eight. Well, well, well. Now there's a gift. Number seven. No, really? I had no clue that there was a Chia Pet tie. Wow, it's a clip-on too. Has anybody got a Chia Pet tie before? Anybody given a Chia Pet tie before? You're not raising your hand, I know. Number six, you know, I always wanted one of these. Now, now jog my memory, what, it, what is it called again? I love that. Number five, you know what? I'm going to find a special place to put this. Have you, ever, have you ever said that? I've said that a couple times. A special place like in the trash. Number four. Boy, you don't see craft, craftsmanship like this every day. Number three, and it's such an interesting color, too. Number two, oh, you, you say that was the last one? Man, am I glad you snapped that up. And finally, the number one thing to say about gifts that you don't like is you shouldn't have. No, really, I mean it. You really shouldn't have. You know, sometimes we get gifts and we 
open them, we see them, and we're overcome, and we don't know what to respond with. We're either overcome in disbelief, and we usually spout something like, oh, great, or we see something that we just can't believe that somebody would buy us. And we, we are overcome with joy, and sometimes we're speechless. Sometimes we, uh, we come out in all sorts of emotion. I believe that in Luke chapter 1, as we're going to look today, I believe that Zechariah didn't know what to say or to do when the Lord gave him a gift that he would not forget. If you would, take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 1. you take your Bible, hold it up. Luke's just past the middle. Find Matthew, Mark, you go one over. Find John, you go back to the left. Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to begin in verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, Judea, excuse me, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. That's a great biblical way of saying they were old. Okay. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine nor strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit of power of the and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers of the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people who are prepared. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you and I know that you have ordained and appointed this time and I know that even as the evil one would want to attack and want to keep this message from going forward, God, we know that you've ordained this time and this place for us. So, God, we give it to you. We open our hearts. God, free us from distraction. And, God, as we receive your word, may we stand in faith and in trust and in belief of what you want to speak to us. Lord, let your spirit move in us now. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. I've titled this message, Wait, Work, Worship, and Win. Does anybody in here like to win? Yes? 
especially around this time of year, we love to win. We love our college football. We love to see winning. Uh, When the holidays are over, we will love our NFL football as we prepare for the Super Bowl, and we want our team to win. We love to see our high school basketball players and our wrestlers. We love to see them win. But we love to see ourselves win in life, don't we? Winning's good. Winning's fun. I'm a competitive person. You can ask my wife or anybody that I've ever been around. I'm a competitive person, and I like to win. And when I don't win, it's not very fun, guys. It's not. When we open on this story, we see Zechariah and Elizabeth, and we would look at their life, and we would say, you know, there's not a whole lot of winning going on. Zechariah and Elizabeth, one of their great hopes was to have a child. But Elizabeth is barren, and they're older in age. You know, if we look at society and we look at culture, this would mean that Elizabeth was probably a disgrace to her husband. The ladies in the market would suggest that he was not a righteous man or he had done something to deserve a wife who was barren. She would hear the elders that sat at the gates as she went by that Zechariah's wife. And she's barren and she can't have him a child. You see, we would look at their life and we would say, yeah, they're not winning. But the point of the message today is for us to understand that God has a plan. And just as he had a plan for Zechariah and for Elizabeth, he has a plan for you and I. But within that plan, we have some certain responsibilities. We have some certain things that we must do, that we must accomplish, that we must task ourselves with as we move on in this life, as we move forward in this life. And I want to discuss those today. The first thing is that we should wait upon the Lord. We should wait upon the Lord. Think about this for a second. Let me me paint the picture for you as we enter this great text, this magnificent thing that happened with the angel Gabriel speaking to Zechariah. You see, the people of God had not heard from God in nearly 400 years Zechariah, being a priest, would have been able to read the text and been able to see how God had spoken through the prophets time and time again, how God had had a relationship where he would openly communicate with Abraham and with Moses. And as the last of the prophets spoke from the Lord, Zechariah would also know that the people of God were in a spiritual drought. That the word of God had not come to them in many, many years. I would say that waiting upon the Lord was probably a strong point for Zechariah. Here you have a priest, a priest who reads scripture and sees a very vocal God. 
yet he hasn't spoken in nearly 400 years. You see, Zechariah understood the wait. He understood what it meant to wait upon the Lord. You might be here today and you might be in a spiritual drought. Maybe you haven't heard from the Lord in a while. Maybe it's been that when He has spoken, you haven't been receptive to the Lord in a while. Maybe it's been that you've given up. Maybe you feel like there's no hope. I keep getting report after report from my doctor. I keep getting report after report from the teachers of my kids at school. I keep getting demotion after demotion at work. And we seem hopeless. My encouragement to you, Zechariah's encouragement to you, would be to wait upon the Lord. The one whose timing is perfect. Zechariah understood the wait. In fact, he probably understood the wait a little too well. And we'll get to that in just a minute. We must wait upon the Lord. Second is we must work as unto the Lord. We must work as unto the Lord. Let's talk about some hard work for a minute. Are there any men here who would admit that they're still trying to figure out and find what your wife wants for Christmas? Any men that would dare put their hand up right now? Nah, I didn't think so. Your standard man at this point in the Christmas season has purchased zero gifts. He's not yet gotten around to purchasing an acceptable gift for his wife, even for last Christmas. He did give her something last year, but he could tell by her reaction that it had not been what she was dreaming of. In fact, she wasn't dreaming of getting an auto emergency kit even though it was the deluxe with the booster cables and the air compressor. But clearly this gift had violated an important rule. But the man had not been made aware of this rule, and his wife was far too upset to tell him. That is a hard-working situation. I'll tell you this year, Lindsay and I haven't bought gifts for each other in, well, since Dre was born. We just always buy gifts for the kids. And all of a sudden this year we decided to get each other a gift, and immediately she knew what she was getting me. And she's already got it. And I have been, for the last month and a half, painstakingly trying to figure out what in the world I'm supposed to get my wife. And she's given me idea upon idea upon idea, but I still haven't got it yet. It's hard work. I want you to look at Zechariah and Elizabeth. Look at verse 6 for me. They were doing the hard work. And they were both righteous before God walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. They were doing the hard work. Let me encourage you today, in the middle of your spiritual drought, keep pursuing righteousness. 
keep pursuing righteousness. I love the way that Luke makes this statement. Both of them righteous, walking blamelessly, but they had no child. Keep pursuing righteousness, but they had no child. You see, your righteousness is not dependent on God's blessing. I think we often have that the other way around. We often think that if we do something, then we will earn something. That God will give whenever we are obedient. But they had no child. Your righteousness is is not dependent on God's blessing. Don't think as many Christians do today that your obedience is supposed to equal God's obligation to you. It doesn't. The old hymn describes it very well. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away, it was there by faith I received my sight. And now I'm happy all the day. His goodness to us far outweighs any of our righteousness for Him. We could never, ever do enough good to deserve the blessing of God. Our righteousness is but filthy rags before Him. God looks at our goodness and He has to turn away even. You see, our righteousness doesn't compute into God's obligation to us. You and I are owed nothing by a sovereign and almighty God that gave His only Son for our mistakes, not for His. Our work for the Lord is not dependent on the wage we receive because our wages have already been paid in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we were to truly receive our wages that were due, even our righteousness would not keep us from death and hell itself. So my encouragement is keep working as unto the Lord, regardless of the outcome. He may never bless again and He may never answer another prayer. He's still worthy for our hands to be at the plow. You see, our righteousness will never earn the blessing of God. But, but, as we see in the verses that follow, God is a good God. And He gives graciously to those who wait upon Him, to those who work diligently for Him. Also, He gives graciously because it is within His plan. I want you to understand something this morning. Even without sin in mind in your life, we still deserve hell. Even if you and I were perfect, had never sinned, had never made a mistake, 
we still deserve hell. It is only the righteousness of Jesus Christ that is imputed within us that we are even able to kneel before a holy God. Guys, He gives because it's His will. And I want you to understand something. That means He also holds back because it's His will. Because sovereign God has a plan within the midst of all of this. Why was Zechariah and Elizabeth, why, were, why was she barren? Why did they not have children? Because God had a plan in the middle of all of it. Which leads to worshiping the Lord. Not only should we wait upon the Lord and work as unto the Lord, but we should worship the Lord. Look at verse 11. This is, this is just one of, guys, I, this is how cool God is. Look at verse 11 for me. And there appeared to him an angel. This is Zechariah. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing where? On the right side of the altar of incense. You know what the altar of incense is? Do you know what the altar of incense was for? Take your Bible and turn it over to Exodus chapter 30 with me real quick. Exodus chapter 30. You didn't think I was going Old Testament today, did you? Exodus chapter 30. This is where we find the altar of incense. Let me read for you real quick. Start in verse 6. And you shall put in front of the veil that is above the ark of the testimony, in front of the mercy seat that is above the testimony where I will meet with you. And Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. Every morning when he dresses the lamps, he shall burn it. And when Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he shall burn it. Regular incense offering before the Lord throughout your generations. You shall not offer unauthorized incense on it, or a burnt offering, or a grain offering, and you shall not pour a drink offering on it. Aaron shall make atonement on its horns once a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. He shall make atonement for it once in the year throughout your generations. This is most holy to the Lord. You see, the altar of incense, when it was placed in the temple, it was to be just outside of the Holy of Holies. And it would be made of wood and then covered in gold. And it was a square. It was only about three foot wide. And what would happen is, is you would have one of the guard, one of the priesthood, who would stand there and make sure that the incense was burning. Why? Because it was an act of worship that would offer a pleasing aroma to the Lord. You see, when the angel finds Zechariah in Luke chapter 1, Zechariah is in the act of worship. Not only has he waited upon the Lord, not only is he working blamelessly, righteously for the Lord, but in the moment of deliverance, 
in the moment of God's moving, (laughs) where is he at? He's in full worship of God Almighty. If I could encourage you with anything today, it would be to worship. In the middle of your spiritual drought, in the middle of the time where you feel like, I'm just going through the motions. Guys, this is a season where often we just go through the motions. In that time, worship. Worship the Lord. God commanded the priest to burn incense on the golden altar every morning and evening. How many of you worship every morning and evening? It was to be left burning throughout the day and throughout the night as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Is that what your worship looks like? Think about that for a moment. Or does your worship just look like an hour on Sunday morning? Or does your worship just look like maybe a few minutes in the car ride on the way to work? Is your worship something that happens every morning, and because it happens every morning, it burns throughout the day, and throughout the day you are offering worship to God Almighty? What does your worship look like? I love this old story. Jim was leaving church after Christmas services when the pastor greeted him and said, You know, Jim, it's time you joined the army of the Lord. We need to see you every Sunday. I'm already in the army of the Lord, pastor, is what Jim replied. Then why do we only see you on Christmas and Easter? Jim looked to the right and he looked to the left and he leaned over and he said, I'm in the secret service. You know, some of us are that way. We think, you know what, I do just enough to get by. I I worship God whenever it counts. I worship God whenever my wife nags me enough to get there. I worship God whenever my kids need to be there. Zechariah stood at the altar of incense. Just like he had done time. And time and time before, worshiping God, worshiping the Almighty, a sweet aroma unto the Lord. We need to wait upon the Lord. Work is unto the Lord. We need to worship the Lord. And finally, what happens when we do that is that we will win some to the Lord. You see, God has a purpose in all of this. And this is one of the really, really cool things about this story. Look at verses 8 and 9 with me. And if you ever needed some scripture to back up the absolute sovereignty of God, this is it right here. You want to tell me that God is not sovereign in the affairs of man? then you need to read this scripture and let the Spirit speak to you. Look at verses 8 and 9. Now while he, Zechariah, was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot. 
He was chosen by what we would call a chance. He was chosen by what we would call odds. He was chosen by what we would call probabilities. But I don't think so when it comes to God. I want to tell you that nothing in this life happens by chance. Every single minute of your life is authored by the God who exists outside of time and space. You're not here by accident. This day is no accident, and this sermon is no accident. I believe that God has aligned our days for two purposes. One is to know Him, and the other is to make Him known. You see, God has a plan waiting for you. He has a work in store for you, and He has lined up your opportunities for worship of Him, to worship Him in spirit and truth. Why? So that He may win souls to Himself. This isn't Mary and Joseph. This is Zechariah and Elizabeth. They would not produce the Savior of the world. They would produce the one before Him. They would produce John. The one who would take the people and turn them back towards Jesus. I would say they won. You see, in all of this, God was paving the way so that prophecy could be fulfilled, both in John and in Jesus. Why? So that the one crying out in the wilderness would draw the hearts of men back to God. So that Jesus would follow this grand introduction, claiming that God has come to be with man, and he wants to offer life abundant and life eternal to them. God has a plan which spans even beyond this period 2,000 years ago. You see, he planned it out for you and me. Jesus said in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am you may be also. For I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they waited upon the Lord. They worked as unto the Lord. And in this moment, Zechariah was found worshiping the Lord. But I have a warning for you today. I have a warning. Don't miss out on all the awesomeness that God has for you. All the amazing things He wants to do in you. Don't miss out because of your disbelief. Look at verses 18 through 20 with me. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. I love that he didn't call his wife old. He simply said he was old and that she was advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Why? Because you did not believe my words. 
Don't stand in disbelief when God comes. I want you to understand, like, I think, Gabe, I think Gabriel said this in a different sort of way. I think Gabriel is my people. I, I think I would really relate with Gabriel because I think what happened was is that Zechariah said, how should I know this? Like, show me a sign. And I think Gabriel stood there and was like, dude, I'm Gabriel. Like, like you haven't heard from God in 400 years and you're going to question whether you need a sign or not because I'm Gabriel. You missed it. Zechariah stood in disbelief. All that waiting, all that working for the Lord, even being in the midst of worship, God shows up and Zechariah stands in disbelief. Don't be found, Zechariah. Contrast, contrast that to a couple verses over. Luke one thirty eight. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. We need to be waiting upon the Lord. We need to be working for Him. We need to be worshiping Him. But understand this, in order to win, we must believe and step out in faith to trust Him. Mary, Mary was given a message even greater than that of Zechariah. Hey, Mary, listen, you've never known a man, but you will be pregnant. And the one that you carry, you're going to name him Jesus because he's the Savior of the people. He has come so that he will save the people of God. If there was ever anybody that needed to say, God, I need a sign, it would have been Mary. But what did she do? She said, let it be of me according to your will. That's the kind of faith we need to have in the midst of our spiritual drought. So that all of our waiting, all of our working, all of our worship produces faith in the end. Why? So that men may come to know Jesus. That's the end of all of this. You can continue reading over in Luke 1 and uh, the rest of that and in Luke 2, and you can see the amazing testimony of Zechariah after John is born. And the amazing words that he says about his son. Why? So that men would come to know Jesus. Let's not go through the motions anymore. Let's stand in faith when the Lord speaks. And let's move when he tells us to. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that you would open up our hearts right now. God, that as we stand in worship before you, God, that you would speak to us as you did Zechariah. 
And God, I pray that we would respond in faith and in trust. That we would not respond in disbelief. God, as we feel like maybe we're pushing through a spiritual drought, maybe we're just going through the motions, God, I pray that you would speak to us. And when you do, I pray that you would find us faithful, waiting upon you, working for you, and in full worship of you. God, we trust that to you. Speak to us. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to understand something this morning. God had a plan that involved you You may not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and I want you to understand something. God had a plan in this story that directly affects you. You see, their son John would be born. Zechariah and Elizabeth would have a son John, and he would go into the wilderness, and he would spend many years there until Jesus came onto the scene. And John would go about proclaiming that this is the one This is the Messiah, the one that we have waited for, the one who I am not even worthy to untie his sandals. This is him. And John would meet Jesus and he would say, look, it is he who comes. And John would meet Jesus and John would baptize Jesus. And from that moment on, Jesus would carry out his ministry to this world that would ultimately end on the cross. You see, there was a whole purpose in Luke chapter 1, and that was that Jesus would end up on a cross, dying for the sins of the world. Why? So that He could open the door for us to have a relationship with God. That way the altar of incense would not be needed anymore, but that Jesus would sit at the right hand of God ever making intercession for us that he would be our avenue of worship to almighty God but you see it takes us believing not standing in disbelief believing that he died and rose again and confessing him as Lord of our life Jesus wants to be your savior he wants to have a relationship with you He wants to give you life abundant and life eternal. But you have to step out in belief. Here in a moment, I'm going to give you that opportunity. Here in a moment, I'm going to pray and we're going to stand and we're going to sing. If you need to come know Jesus as your Savior, He's planned this day. And He wants you to accept in belief. You step out and you come. Take this preacher by the hand and say, I want to be saved. Christian, are you going through the motions right now? I'm going to be real honest with you. That's where I was when God brought this message. Going through the motions. Oh, it's the Christmas season. Let's do all the stuff we normally do. Oh, it's an opportunity to share the gospel. I'm just going to keep going to church. I'm going to keep going to my events. I'm going to keep going where they tell me to go. You know what? He's here today to say, listen, 
step out of the rut. I've got life that I want you to live. I've got blessing. I've got goodness that I want you to receive. He's wanting to find us faithful, waiting and working in worship of Him. Maybe you need to spend some time at this altar. Rekindling that relationship. Stepping out of the spiritual drought and into the amazing presence of God. Father God, we pray that you would take this time and make it yours. That you be glorified above all else. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Would you stand?